is four years old and quite a little man. So we spell out the words we don't want him to understand. Like T O Y or maybe S U R E R I S E. But the words we're hiding from him now tear the heart right out of me. Our Hi, y'all. Welcome to That Bleeping Podcast, a podcast wherein four academics who love television recap, analyze, and love and hate on all things popular culture. Right now, we are working our way through Degrassi The Next Generation, taking two episodes at a time. Before we start, two things. Spoiler alert, there are full spoilers as we recap each week's episodes. And sailor alert, we will swear, so hide your baby's ears. Enjoy. Today we're going to talk about two episodes, episode five and episode six. Uh, Episode five is Parents Day, which I don't think is the name of the song. I think it's just descriptive. Basically, episode five is structured around Parents Day, which is essentially conferences at Degrassi. Um, And it starts with Toby and JT coming to school and giving us our expository explanation that there are 48 hours till conferences. And Toby's main concern is that his parents, who are divorced, will both be there, and they'll fight. And so that's sort of the A plot. The B plot is they go into the media immersion class and watch the sort of daily announcements are replaced by NAK, News About Kids, um, which is like a paid corporate children's news program. And the story is about squeegee kids, which are kids who ask you for money and wash your windows. And Emma sort of takes this up as her crusade, both the squeegee kids and the fact that this corporate news thing is being shown in their school. Um, And so that's the sort of B plot. Emma is going to write an editorial about that. The A plot is that Toby doesn't want his parents to come to conferences. So he writes a fake letter pretending to be his teacher to try and get his parents not to come, and that doesn't work. And he comes to conferences with his parents, and they end up fighting in front of him and make it about themselves. Oh, and I left out the C-plot. So the C-plot, Toby's mom is a talent agent, and the grade 8 girls, uh, Ashley, Paige, and Terry are very interested in getting her attention, or at least Paige and Ashley are. And so they're both fighting for her attention because they both think that they could get a talent agent and be models, I guess. And the sort of resolution of the episode is 
Toby confronts his parents about the fact that they're fighting about each other and not paying attention to him. Ashley and Paige both fail to get the mother's attention, and she gives her card to Terry. And Emma writes an editorial about NAK rage, her NAK rage, and Sean's brother says it's trash. Um, and there's a little bit of a class thing going on there because NAK, the reason that these sh- things are shown is in exchange. Degrassi got computers and Sean doesn't have a computer at home. So he has to use computers at school. And Sean's brother, who Jacinta tells us his name, Tracker, crumples up her editorial and says it's trash. Um, and then at the end of the episode, Emma and Sean make up. And Mr. Simpson tells Toby he's proud of himself, proud of him for standing up to his parents. That was a really convoluted editorial or summary. Did it make any sense? Yeah. 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 I thought it was very streamlined. Well, that's good because I feel half awake. (laughs) I also left out all my feelings about it. I also was very annoyed with a lot of people in this episode. That doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. We'll get get there. (laughs) Yeah. So it's called Parents. Day, which, like I said, I don't think is a song. Ooh, we uh, should we should Google that. We should look at our pocket computers. Do we want to take the A plot first, the Toby and his parents plot first? Because I have a lot of feelings about the way that his mom is talked about and presented. Let's do it. Sure. Go for it. <clears throat> I mean, we start off with this this evaluation from Toby that his mom is like he sets her up to be crazy but I mean clearly in the moment like it is both of them and the reason that that his dad gives for the divorce is her career so I I guess that I was trying to figure out like where the episode lands on like uh women working and the you know the effect on their children because like I don't know. I I felt like this was not one of the clear morals. So I I don't I guess, know. I thought the ultimate moral was that they were both wrong. Like I thought at the beginning of the episode, I thought it was her. Right. And then as soon as they see each other, it's very clear that both of them are screwed up, which I thought was interesting because I think usually we like Toby's dad. Right, and I agree, but the reasons that were given were that she's crazy and then her the dad figure Jeff gives the reason of career. We do see that it's both of their faults, but Toby's and Toby's in the right, but Toby has already like cast his mom as crazy, basically. If we're siding with Toby, then are we supposed to that that never really gets addressed. It to me it seemed well, I thought it was both of them from like the kitchen conversation on um, but I mean, I did have that moment of pause, like where his father said, it's because of your career or whatever. But then he also said it's because she was only focused on her career, which seems, I don't know. That's one of those things that kind of makes their whole dynamic a little bit interesting too, because typically you don't really see as many depictions in media of when parents are split up of a kid being with the father full time. Um, usually they're with the mother and usually it's the father that's the one that's the workaholic. So that was, I mean, I think that's a little bit interesting. I guess I don't know if the, if the episode really meant to say anything about 
her working itself being problematic as much as it was saying like her working or putting work first was problematic I think is Mm -hmm. what they were trying to say yeah she does have that moment where she makes fun of Ashley's mom and calls her mother mother of the year or Donna Reed or something like that when she's like sorry I'm not yeah yeah she said something I don't know what she said something like that what's Toby's dad's job is he a musician Ashley's mom said she was going to see him in the next episode, so he's doing some sort of performing. His shirt makes me think that he is the lead guitarist of a jam band cover band. <laughs> yeah, but um, her outfit in the next episode does not suggest that that is. No, her outfit says symphony. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe <clears throat> like. That's his day job. That's his nine to five is he's like a timpani player. And then <laughs> <laughs> his passion, though, is String this? Cheese Incident cover band called Block Cheese Happenstance. <laughs> <laughs> That's among the whiter things we've said on this podcast. Oh, please. It's I started it off by three. singing D-I-V-O-R-C-E by Tammy Wynette. Wow, we're in a zone, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know anything about that at all. I mean, I think to go back to this thing about the mom, the interesting thing is, however her job is presented, the B story relies on her being a big deal. I think you Whatever. said that. I guess I gave it C. It really should have been the B story. The other story with the girls relies on her being a big deal, which is interesting because... Yeah. The, the story with Toby and his dad is sort of like her career or however she chooses to do her career is problematic to the whole relationship. At least initially, that's what we think. But when she shows up, she also is framed as like a big city, I thought. She's dressed differently. She's she's clearly supposed to be more important. Visually. She's avant-garde. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was oh like, that outfit is not avant-garde even for the 90s or the 2000s that is the that is yeah i love that her and Paige are both wearing sparkles yeah. uh, oh my god thank you for mentioning that Paige is my life in this episode her outfit and her fake tattoo is just <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love when, when I think it's Terry trying to put makeup on Ashley in the bathroom, and Ashley <laughs> says, <laughs> she's like, I guess she gets, Terry pokes her in the eye, and Ashley says, it's my eye, it's what I see with. <laughs> and I just laugh. Only true stories here. <laughs> new episode, new look, new page. I was just going to say that, like, Paige is so all over the place sometimes. Like, do you even want this page? No, no. I just don't want Ashley to have it. Yeah. I think this episode is the only one so far where Paige gets to have, like, any time separate from the girls where she's seen as having any interiority at all. And it's that little scene with Spinner where she asks him about, oh, poor Spinner in this episode. He says the wrong thing but doesn't mean it. Did you read his shirt? Yes, I did. It's so good. Your girlfriend thinks I'm hot. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, Spinner. (laughs) He's the best. I mean, there's only 22 minutes. But that Mm -hmm. moment I was like, oh, so really what Paige wants is just someone to tell her she's pretty. Mm -hmm. And then it made it 
we like her a little bit. I still find her just generally annoying because I think mostly she does plot things. I don't like characters whose sole purpose is just to be plot. It annoys me. Um, She's the crystal of Degrassi right now. Shout out Bachelor reference. I don't. I don't. don't. You're fine. She's another white lady in a long line of white ladies that just do shit to do shit. That's the short version. Are you trying to set us up for a Bachelor crossover episode? I shall not. (laughs) Nope. I shall not. I'm with with Jacinta on this one. I also shall not. (laughs) That should be you and Brendan's other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I wrote Spinner don't walk Spinner don't who? Walk into that question. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well and he doesn't know. I mean it's also I thought it was the most truthful representation of like his oblivion to everything. He's the best dummy. He's well, your favorite dummy. I mean, but also in in defense of Spinner, like he was talking to her and she was not paying attention. She totally oh, yeah. changed the subject. And he like, was telling that sab- elaborate joke about butt faces. Monkey the butt. monkey butt. Monkey butt. She totally sabotaged him in the way that passive-aggressively seeking compliments, I guess, sort of as women trained to do. Changing the subject and making it completely about her. I'm much more on Spinner's side on this one. No, I mean, I think he's oblivious. That's what I mean, is I think it seemed very real that he's a teenage boy who doesn't get it. I didn't feel bad for him, though, because I was also like, this is also, if we play it out, he gets to do that for the rest of his life if he wants to. This is true. Right. In the moment, it made sense and seemed very real. I'm glad that you're getting a glimmer of Paige and her Pageness because Paige is the best. Like Paige is goals for life. Oh, I still don't like her. I I still find her her generally annoying. (laughs) At that moment, all I was saying was like that moment. I do like that the payoff here is Terry gets the card. So the adults at least understand that Terry looks like a real person. I missed that completely. I did not see her get the card. It was really... When 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 Toby's mom's leaving and she's like, you have an interesting face, and she gives Terry the card. She says, "Interesting look. You have an interesting look." Sure. Have you ever thought about acting? And it's after Paige does the really awkwardly desperate thing of trying to give her the picture of herself to remember her by. Well, Ashley was about to give her a resume or something. <laughs> And then Paige jumped in with a picture. And then a Polaroid. And then the mom <laughs> yes. walked away and she was like, by the way, Terry. <laughs> yeah, the Ashley thing is weird to me too, because I'm like, isn't this woman basically family at this point? It's not like this is the only time you'll ever see her. Also, use your grown-up brain, Ashley. Like your mom is the other woman. Do you think she's gonna help you get somewhere in life? I mean, I think so, because they seem, the, di- the the divorce seems to just be about those two people, right? But she hates her mom. She dogs on her for being mother of the year. Oh, right, 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 right. I forgot that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, oh, the only reason that any of them want this is because of <laughs> Heather Sinclair having an agent, which, <laughs> oh, Heather Sinclair. <laughs> Oh, I forgot. So I put that in stars and I forgot it in my synopsis, right? Because Heather Sinclair is the star of NAK News About Kids, right? No, she's a, she's a Degrassi student. 
but we you haven't de- met she's her. Not, you you haven't seen her. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah they they just mention that she has an agent, and Paige is kind of like disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she says Heather has an agent with that overbite. Oh, okay. Now I remember. I'll send you guys. I've got Heather Sinclair's picture right here. I'm going to send you guys her picture. She does uh, not have. Oh, she's an unseen character. Never mind. The Paige's Paige's feelings about Heather Sinclair are ongoing. So <laughs> Paige's back. read of Heather Sinclair is pretty great and mean. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say it's bad. Mean, that's mean. Paige is kind of just mean. Like I think that's the thing that's I liked that one moment, but the show doesn't so far. The show doesn't give us very much space to see her as having a reason for her meanness, which I think this makes it easy to forget that she's a little teenage girl, too. Mm-hmm. What about the NAK squeegee kids? Oh, man. <laughs> Otherwise known as the neoliberalization of public schools in Canada. Well, thank you, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Are the squeegee kids, quote, another cool trend for today's media-saturated youth? And I'm like, what does that even mean? How do washing cars with squeegees have anything to do with the media? Well, and also it's just like, it is such a clear indication that, because no kid would fucking say that. Like, they are reading a script that an adult has has written for them. This is not news produced by kids for kids. This is something else. Well, Which is Emma's argument, right? Right. Emma's annoyed because they're also, like, telling them to sign up for the army and stuff that she doesn't think they should be telling kids. To yeah, do. it's totally it's totally capitalist propaganda. Like, the whole NAK thing. I wouldn't know if it's sponsored by Coca-Cola, for real. <laughs> well, not... Like, I wrote, like, look into NAK funding sources. <laughs> <laughs> Of course you do. <laughs> so because you're also doing investigative journalism, like, retroactively for middle schoolers. Seriously, though, this is literally my research. Go Follow the money, <laughs> and you'll figure out the political will and the well, political I mean, implications. So Emma goes to talk to Radich about it. And he's like, well, that's how we have computers. <laughs> and she's like, that's a bribe. And he's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I for mean, him, it made sense. Radish but, is, he's right, though. At that right. moment, that's how schools, and still, but, like, there was, like, the Coca-Cola, like, computer lab and the Walmart food court, or not food court, but, you know, cafeteria. That was beginning at that moment, and then, but it switched over. I'm not sure about Canada, but it switched over to leading more into charter schools in the United States, but in Canada... I really, I really am interested in like the privatization of education in Canada now because of Degrassi. Okay, so then how does Anderson Cooper fit into this? Because I remember Channel One happening in my my middle school. We had ch- Channel One, which was a national thing, and so Anderson. Wait, was it? Yeah, Anderson Cooper, Lisa Ling, yes! uh, <clears throat> Serena Alchul, who ended, who actually went to MTV, and then I can't remember the other one, but they were all like part of channel one and we got it in homeroom every day and it was a national thing and so now I really just wish that I could go back and look at all of that coverage and kind of like compare it because I remember it being really cool at the time and I did not but I also was not 
a particularly socially aware student until more like high school. We didn't have any of that in my school. Yeah. In middle school, we did close the closed circuit announcement news. There was no corporate sponsorship. Nobody was coming into that school to do corporate sponsorship. When I taught middle school, they did like TV thing, but that was just within the school. I'm going to look into this. I know that, so Ray, Ray and I have talked about that exact channel one exactly before. And I know that she, um, her small town in North Carolina had some version of that, but she's a lot younger than us. It, she didn't have Anderson does. Cooper. Uh, Tiffany and I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the the oldies of, of this podcast. I also mean, those of us who went to school in the 80s. <laughs> she's, I'm not going to say how old Tiffany is, but she's almost a decade younger than Tiffany. Okay. <laughs> Me and Raven are the same age. <laughs> well, you're, you're fucking young. No. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile. But, uh, but also, can we also just, like, talk about the fact, like, one of the lines that Radich says to her, though, is, remember, not everyone at Degrassi has a computer at home, which, to me, <laughs> is, like, true, but also weirdly targeted after the fir- the pilot. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, yeah, we no, I thought it was. I had the same thing where I was like, does he watch the show? <laughs> <laughs> like, we know what's happened with Emma's computer. So... <laughs> Oh, so apparently Channel One is still a live thing. Oh, really? So yeah, I was googling it to figure out sponsorships, and it's still it's still a oh, it's sponsored by oh, it's a com- it's a corporation. Ooh, all right. Anyway, um, yeah, it's still alive and well. I would also like to say um, that the guy, the boy in that NAK spot, was also in Alley Cat Strike and Cheetah Girls. Um, and that was like the first thing that stood out to me when that part started I'm sorry I was going to change the subject do it go for it the comment about cool trends for today's media saturated youth really stood out for me especially when Toby is in the meeting with Snake and his parents because he basically tries in in an attempt to refocus the attention on his responsibility for his failings in the classroom. He is basically the reason that I'm doing poorly is because video games quote are destroying my generation. And so I was just like, like for me, they stood in the same category of like, this is clearly something that this show wants to talk about, but they're putting the words into like the children's mouths in ways that feel really disingenuous to me. Like I, I thought, I, I that thought, differently. yeah, me too. Okay. What did y'all think? Go for it, Brendan. Well, I thought, cause he then he says that, and then he reframes and basically just gives up and says like, it's my own fault. This has nothing to do with you guys. I thought he was just parroting because he's smart enough to know that that's a narrative that's out there. I didn't think we were supposed to think he was right. Yeah, same. Yeah, I didn't think he was serious. I just thought he was like, I'm going to just get your attention. And it's video games because that's the first weird random thing. Because after that, he then just says, actually, it's me. I could do more. Yeah, and, and I don't, like, I guess that I wasn't clear. I wasn't thinking that he thought, 
that he totally ascribed to this. I guess I was just thinking about it in terms of like the larger episode and like sometimes things come out of their mouths that just, I don't know, really stand out as uncharacteristic to me. I was just going to say, did you ever watch Dawson's Creek? Nope. Yeah. Because if you want to talk about language that people wouldn't actually say, that's a show for you to watch. I but they even, they even make jokes about being verbose and right. loquacious <laughs> children. I, I love Dawson's Creek, but they, they oh, the script, the script for that show is wild. Think Gilmore Girls on anabolic steroids. <laughs> oh, no. But, like, with less <laughs> pop culture references and just more SAT words. Yes! <laughs> yes! Like, when I call them loquacious, it's because they call themselves loquacious. Gotcha. And also, I have a good vocabulary. But still. <laughs> I feel like we like also need to talk about this tracker Emma situation. Yeah. Oh my god. Wait, I can was... I just say first of all that I love that actor. So that his name is Chris Holden Reed. Um and he he was in the Tudors, but he was also in this television show that I basically housed very recently since the beginning of the semester called Dark Matter, which is also oh, yeah. a Canadian production and mm. he he plays like a a police officer type of character in that, but I love him. And I was like, Oh my God, I know that guy. And this must be where he got his start. He's fine. <laughs> I was less interested in that and more in just like this weird, like giant scene of bullying. And the fact that Emma's mother says nothing. Right. I really was disgusted by the whole thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Like who takes on a 12 year old? Right, right. That, that was the part that was like confusing to me because like he went way overboard. Like it was, it started out like, oh, I disagree because Sean doesn't have a computer and that puts him behind and blah blah blah. And that was fine, but then it like escalated <laughs> rapidly, and I was not. What What are you doing, Tracker? Why are I mean, you fighting was, with a seventh grader? Well, and it felt. I mean, there's a violent threat in what he does to the thing. I guess I literally wrote down, why doesn't Emma's mom stand up for her? Not that she has to, like, fight him. She could just be like, hey, I'm the adult here. Yeah, I was also confused by that. And I was like, is she just trying to let her sort of, like, deal with the world on her own? But it did seem a really well, weird decision pa- on Spike's part. Yeah. I, yeah, think, pa- I think she is. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, part of that is because when he first starts to apologize, Emma is like, don't talk to her, talk to me. But then, at some point, you still think that, like, maybe Spike would intercede. But also, I don't know how old Tracker is supposed to be. He's old enough that Sean is living with him, but I don't actually know what his age is. Yeah, I didn't know it was his brother, because I totally missed that single shot of him on the motorcycle before, so... I was totally confused. I remember, I was like, he didn't have his helmet buckled. Yes. No, I remember you saying that. I never uh, saw that when I watched uh, it. I only know it happened because you brought it up. I see. I don't know. I, it was confusing because it felt like part of the reason Emma's mom didn't say anything was so that he could be scary. So narratively, we could have that play out. I think it's also, I mean, yes, but also we're supposed to feel like Emma is powerful and brazen after the first episode we're supposed to see emma as a very powerful little girl with very Which bad I felt, hair but i felt like she was bullied and that no one said anything right i think this 
is also like shaping, helping to shape the dynamics of Sean's family. Yes. It's been a long time since I watched most of the early episodes, but I don't ever remember any other time that Tracker is that ridiculous. I don't remember, I can't recall any other moments like that of his character. Well, he full on goes after someone who is at least, in my calculation, six years younger than him and right. much, much smaller. So, yeah, I mean, that stood out for me, too. And yeah, why... he's so big compared to the women and his brother in that scene, too. And that's why I think I also like once he started crumpling up the paper, it made me really uncomfortable. Like, I was like, this is beyond... Well, and he he's very insulting. I mean, it's not just yes. like, I, it's it's not just, I disagree with this because, you know, we need computers and this was a way to get them. Instead, he's like, this is garbage. It smells like garbage. And, you yeah. know, and he crumples it up like garbage. Go ahead. It is like a narrative catalyst to bring Sean and Emma together. Yes. But it is yeah. not which, great. Which, why is she the one that apologizes to Sean? That was, yeah. like, that was the other thing that stood out to me. I mean, like, I understand that the situation made her recognize that maybe she was being a little classist in her evaluation of, in her editorial. But she is the one that initiates the apology. And so, like, between that and her sort of, like, inserting herself into the argument, like, with, between Jimmy and Sean at the dance, like... This I'm seeing like an uncomfortable dynamic kind of starting to emerge here be- between Emma and Sean. That's I recognize it's supposed to be young love or whatever, but I just I, I'm announcing my concerns right now. I mean, she's a saver, right? I right. Think that is what we're, which is yeah, definitely like is. what you're saying, but she is she is a saver, and Sean is very much a character who is in need of saving narratively. And also it parallels her mom's storyline from the first iteration because her mom falls for her dad, who is a bad boy who ends up fucking himself over, which we'll find that out later. Yeah, we'll we'll get, I think we said this before, but Shane's story is tragic. Yes. Also, can we talk about how Emma likes a boy named Sean and her dad is Shane? Mm. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Given that my parents are named Mary and Michael, uh, I'm not that <laughs> surprised by people oh, having yeah. army names. I forget that your parents are Mary and Michael, and my brother and his wife are Mary and Michael. I don't forget it because it makes it easy to remember. But <laughs> once you, you once you're in a community of once you're in a community of normie white people, oh, I just Sean remember sh- sound alike. Oh yeah. Eh. I mean, her mom's name is Spike, so <laughs> Spike and Snake. Um, can we talk about how they're painting Liberty as a, like, super Republican? Are they? Yes, she talks about how NAK is, like, basically doing God's work, and her dad knows the mayor. Mm. And oh, yeah. she's just, like, she does all this humble, braggy shit about uh, her connections to, like, conservative Now, I thought the capitalists. thing about the mayor, I didn't think she was conservative capitalist. I think she seems to me more like a, a mainstream liberal. Yeah. Ooh, like in the proper Canadian sense. Yeah. I don't, that's your area. I don't know what that means, but sure. <laughs> well, and I, she loves NAK too. Like she looks so, so stoked when it starts. She like puts her hands on her face and like, oh, okay. Well, and I, I mean, I guess that I was viewing the conversation between Liberty and Emma uh, as a way to meet the parents before we meet the parents, but also a sort of good setup for, 
what I imagine a lesson is going to be, which is, you know, make up your own mind and find your own opinion separate from your parent. So Liberty, I don't know, is setting herself up to, I guess, like learn a lesson later on down the line. But we also see the class politics with Liberty. Because she talks about squeegee kids being a scourge. Right. Ragamuffins is what, but she's also parroting what her dad says. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Emma very much, even though like, she's getting the language from somewhere like Emma seems to be fine forging her own way and making her own opinions about issues. Totally. Also, Emma is, I'm excited too that Emma is starting to become the Rebecca of Degrassi. I don't know what that means. Uh, Oh, Rebecca who? No, the like, uh, was it the root that did the five different types of Becky's and Emma is the Rebecca the like woke white girl that's going to go explain oppression to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Although in this context, I think it's interesting. It's her and Liberty. Yeah. But on the flip side, I also think, I don't know. I mean, also it's kind of cool that the person who runs the newspaper is the girl of color. Right. And that she's trying to be an adult and they're all right. little kids. Right. So that's kind of cool. She's trying yeah, to totally. like the whole thing with the deadline I thought was kind of adorable. Mm-hmm. 17 minutes. <laughs> She's <laughs> trying get, to run a serious newspaper. Gotta get that floppy disk in on time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. The running with the disk. Oh, so good. Also, again, this is another time when time is very confusing. Another episode because at the very beginning, Toby and JT discussed they have 48 hours. And the time seems weirdly condensed between watching NAK, writing the editorial, getting it published so that everyone can read it before the, like, I was like, this doesn't, I don't believe that that newspaper was published that fast. Time is a flat circle, Dylan. Dylan? (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about how nachos are JT's fuel for evil? I love that. (laughs) It's so cute. (laughs) I feel like nachos are all of our fuels for evil. Nachos are pretty great. Well, who are our favorite characters this episode? Spinner. Sean. Ashley's zit. What? (laughs) (laughs) Ashley freaks out about a zit. Um, My, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Oh, my favorite is Paige's tank top. (laughs) <laughs> for real so just, just various inanimate objects no my favorite is probably uh, probably Spinner my yeah spin, so Spinner gets it for me just because like he is willing to break apart a joke and explain why it's funny which is something <laughs> I am way into uh, I knew you would say that <laughs> Oh, man. No, I mean, I know that I'm a little predictable in that way. For those who don't know me, I really enjoy that. See, it's funny because... Uh, <laughs> and someday I'll probably have a podcast just called See, It's Funny Because. Spin-off. <laughs> spin-off. <laughs> spin-off. Yes. Yeah, there was a guy in uh, grad school, Rob. I don't know if, if Brennan, you knew him. Um, but he and I used... That was like our bonding was we would just talk about why things were funny uh, and totally break apart and take all of the humor and fun out of jokes because, (laughs) because we enjoyed it. The end. (laughs) I think my 
person is Mr. Simpson slash Snake. Because this was an episode where I liked... Sometimes teachers in these kinds of shows are really annoying. And I felt like I liked his arc. And it was a good balance of him giving the important lesson. And also still... The thing at the end where he tells... Toby, he's proud of him and makes him write a 10-page paper is kind of amazing. Yeah, that was really great. But also a 10-page paper in seventh grade, I would have died. Yeah, well, that's 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 hyperbole for the show. But, but that's, yeah. TV shows that have students in schools are always like that. I just finished watching Boy Meets World again, and Mr. Feeney is always giving them excessively long papers to write. <laughs> I'm just like, who is writing this paper about this mundane thing? <laughs> Yeah, some yeah. of my college freshmen that I teach have never written a 10-page paper, so, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Sean's my favorite often, but I just like how he's first annoyed with his brother and then adorable in the computer lab. And uh, Yeah, I do think the email flirting is pretty adorable. Is this the episode where we're all going to talk about when we lost our virginity? Oh, wow. wow. No. <laughs> nope. Like, other podcast. Because my parents might listen to this episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think literally mean? you would be the only person that would take us there. <laughs> You're fucking welcome. Well, but I just, no, no. You are both the only person that would take us there and the only person whose parents are listening to this podcast. Also correct. <laughs> So I My don't feel bad for you. Hey, Mom and Dad. So, episode six of the first season is called The Mating Game. Uh, you know, I guess that can give you a sense of where this episode is going. In this episode, various people have crutches and relationships and love, etc. So one part of the primary story is that in Miss Kwan's class, uh, which is English, I suppose, uh, they are doing Shakespeare and they're doing Romeo and Juliet specifically. And so Miss Kwan has divided up the parts amongst the various eighth graders, grade eights, I should say. Ashley ends up being the nurse and Jimmy is the Romeo and Paige is Juliet, which is sort of the central focus of all their conflict. Uh, I don't think Jimmy knows that there's conflict, but that's neither here nor <laughs> The tensions between Paige and Ashley continue to mount. Paige, or Ashley gives some backstory about how their whole lives, Paige has wanted everything she has. And so she starts to become paranoid about Paige stealing Jimmy from her. And apparently... Ashley and Jimmy have been together for eight months, which is like 18 years in middle school time. So this leads to, with some spurring from Paige, Ashley considering having sex with Jimmy because it's their anniversary. They they talk, Ashley and Jimmy decide that they are going to venture down this new path, which leads to both of them because they have this uh, sex ed talker speaker come in, then leads to both of them going and buying condoms um, which, good job, I suppose, attempting to potentially have sex, but then they decide not to, and, but they're still together and happy and what have you. With the grade sevens, they are making a website in their media immersion class, 
and they have to make it about an animal because sure as one might expect emma chooses an endangered animal and toby who has like this raging crush on emma uh which really comes into focus in this episode also decides to uh sort of parrot what she's after with her website she's making it about an endangered turtle or something and so he gets all this information about turtles and gets this documentary about eight endangered animals and he's really trying to impress her and get her attention but of course we already know that emma has her eyes on sean sean also has his eyes on emma emma's not particularly aware of toby's crush until manny tells her later in the episode toby gets his feelings hurt because Emma skips out on hanging out with him and watching the documentary ostensibly originally so she could help liberally liberty with the newspaper but ultimately so she could hang out with Sean I mean I think that's like the main gist there's a lot of detailed like side conversations but those are the sort of primary stories of the episode and this is the episode where the boys get actual <clears throat> space I felt like the the grade eight boys right there's like a couple, I thought, kind of sweet, sort of believably awkward eighth grade boys trying to have a conversation about sex and have no idea what they're talking about moments, which I thought were kind of adorable. Right. Where they're all like, we don't know. I mean, for me, this episode felt very real in the like, sex is a thing we're supposed to have and we don't really know why and none of us know what we're talking about, which I liked. Yeah, Spinner's very excited on Jimmy's behalf. Yes. And the other guy. I don't know who that guy is. I don't think that guy gets a name. Like, I don't remember him at all. No, he's the, he's the, is it Crab or Goyle that doesn't speak in the Harry Potter movies? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes, he's that one. One yeah. of them. Um, and, but also I think that the other thing about Spinner that I found kind of charming this episode was that when it doesn't happen and like, first of all, Jimmy's like, feels comfortable enough with his relationship with Spinner to be honest with him. And Spinner's like really forgiving, like forgiving is the wrong word here, but you know, it's not, he doesn't give Jimmy a hard time for not doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they also didn't shame. I was worried that they were going to then turn it around on Ashley and they didn't. Right. No, he just used Toby instead. Which is, I mean, of the things... Yeah. Can we just yeah, talk nerdy about little brother makes sense. the medieval times music that Yay. plays oh from this yes. Also interspersed with some weirdly Irish music, but there was a lot of medieval <laughs> times music, and I was like, what is happening? I guess it's because of Romeo and Juliet, but... Yeah, they're doing some Zeffirelli shit right there. But yeah. it was weird. Well, so, like, but it's also in direct contrast to the music that plays when Toby's having his fantasies of Emma. <laughs> and so, like... Oh, my it, God. Those and so, like, for me, like, it was literally supposed to show you the distinction between something that could potentially be real love, because it also plays, like, when Ashley and Jimmy are together. They're they're the true love. They're the very romantic love. And Toby's, whatever Toby is dealing with, is something altogether different. I also liked the Toby-Emma thing, because it also, I distinctly remember that middle school moment when you're like, oh, I have a crush on someone today and tomorrow, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, those, those fantasy sequences reminded me of in Wayne's world, when Garth has fantasy sequences and how they're Locklear. Yeah. yeah. They're very similar. Yep. Yep. It's perfect. 
With her hair. Yeah, there should have so Dreamweaver should have been playing. <laughs> I love the moment of like Toby's desperation to have Emma come over and watch this documentary or whatever. And he's like, and Sean's there. And Sean sees the desperation on his face. And Sean's like, okay. <laughs> well, and Sean does him a solid because he gives him his notes. Yeah, and yeah, but he I'll also bows it. out. Like he, Sean is amazingly yeah. cool when he sees that Toby is into her and is like, I'm gonna go now. Yeah, I'm gonna let you shoot your shot. Um, good luck. Because <laughs> Sean knows. Right. Sean's Sean's older. He he's mature. He knows this is a no. <laughs> but like Sean, Toby's Sean his bro. Knows. Sean sees it, but Emma doesn't. Right. Yeah. Because Emma's too busy saving the sea turtles. True story. Also, nothing about that actually seems romantic, even though I understand he thinks that he's being... I mean, I felt for Toby because he's so awkward. So awkward in this episode. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had a Toby growing up. I'm not going to say his name, although he is... He teaches, like, astrophysics now at... A very prominent university. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I know, right? His mom, his mom might listen to the podcast. I don't know. Oh, it's so hard. He made me a mixtape, and one of the songs was Die in Your Arms Tonight. And it was just like, it was everything, you guys. Like, I remember listening to, well, it wasn't a tape. It was a CD because it was, it was late 90s. But I remember listening to the album or the CD and I when it got to that song, my eyes just got huge and I was like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> he like was he into Cocker Spaniels? <laughs> no, no, no. This was my Toby. No, no, I know, I know. Oh, this guy. I think. Well, I can't say what his family's dog is because I might out him. <laughs> Let's just say it was a spaniel. Okay, so <laughs> I like. I I think it's very important that we talk about the necklace. That, yes. Is, yes. that is described as romantic yet masculine. Just like is, Jimmy. I love when she shows the weird, horrible clay heart that he made for her. And Paige is just, just like, that looks like shit. Paige is like, you bought him a $50 necklace and he <laughs> made you this clay heart. I, that looks like one of those homemade vagina pins. That's what I thought she was going to say. <laughs> but I hate Paige so much, you guys. I know that, like, I'm stepping on your favorite characters, but she just makes me so angry. She's terrible this whole episode. <laughs> Two diners, but only one is selling fries. <laughs> oh, my God. Sex isn't fries. I don't even know. Okay, like, well, Spinner and Spinner thinking sex is like fries does not sound weird. True. <laughs> well, but he's also, very like, food motivated. He's like my dog. But no, I thought she said that. No, that was Spinner. Spinner said that about Paige because she's yeah. quote unquote loose. Well, right, right, right. Oh, I see. I also think the the other weirdest thing in this there's so many weird things, but that Miss Kwan tells is not thoughtful enough to understand that you wouldn't tell two middle schoolers that they have great chemistry. Right. Right. Kissed in class. I know. Over again. Well, and like also she, she, there's no way she doesn't know that Ashley and Jimmy are dating. And like, she's basically, I don't know. She is 
Miss Kwan is instigating. Yeah, Miss yeah. Kwan is definitely instigating. I, I do love when Ashley says, I have to draw the line at my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> now, and I mean, I think that, like, obviously, like, Paige is clearly messy with her, but sometimes it's just like. Ash, Ash is such an easy mark for her. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's true. It's just like, she's not even trying that hard. I feel like Ashley, well, she doesn't have a, a little sister, but like, I feel like that is something a little sister does all the time. And none of you have little sisters, so never mind. Sorry, I'm not dragging my sister. It's just a very <laughs> sisterly thing to be like, oh, you like this thing. Well, I like it too, and I like it more, and I'm going to have it now. Are we to understand that Paige and Spinner are together? Because he also sees Paige flirting with and trying to, quote unquote, steal Jimmy, I guess. And I I don't know. That whole part confused me. I don't know that Paige and Spinner are or aren't officially together. But also, I I don't know that Spinner has much awareness of anything. That's (laughs) totally fair. Oh, I was going to say, the dynamic with Paige and Spinner is Paige likes Spinner, but isn't totally invested in Spinner. Spinner likes a, likes girl. In caveman language, girl like me. But I don't know that even still, I don't know that they're actually, like, I don't think they're... I don't know that they're exclusive at this point. Right. And I don't they're think not. that, and I don't think that Paige actually does like Spinner. I think that she likes to take boys or try to insert herself into situations where there's another girl who likes a boy. Because I mean, if we recall, Spinner was into Terry and Paige like went after him. So like, does she actually like yeah. him or does she like him because she has this really weird sadistic and competitive streak? Yeah, she's she's the proto-Regina George. Yeah, I think part of that is also just, like, a matter of status. Like, Paige, just in in sort of her queen bee status needs, she thinks she should have a boy. Doesn't necessarily matter which specific boy right now, as long as it's one of the popular boys. Yeah. I do like that Spinner's role in this episode, too, is to be the second person to remind us of condoms. Right, First, yeah. we have Dr. Sally, and then Spinner is the one who has either had sex or at least, for whatever reason, just knows that condoms are important and tells Jimmy to buy them. Yeah. But also, that's after Spinner puts Jimmy on blast in class. Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> like, what are yes. you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Spinner asks the question, I have this friend, and here I am thinking, like, oh, is he going to talk about his own I thought that, too. Then he says, who's been dating this girl for eight months? Are they ready to have sex? And And Dr. Sally, like, coolly answers. And everybody knows who he's talking about. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Thanks, Spinner. Getting emotionally ready. I I love that Ashley buys her condoms on the net. (laughs) Oh my. Also that one of the options when she buys them is you can pay by check. Mm -hmm. Also that it's delivered by a a postal worker who's also a cyclist. He's a bike messenger. Yeah, what is that? And also it's cash on delivery. So, I mean, check would work. And that's not a thing that anyone does anymore. But like, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. No, I mean, I I just thought it was very of another time. I didn't think it was. 
And we do have a classic condom purchasing scene with that guy in the store who gives Jimmy such a hard time. Asking him all the varieties, etc. Yeah. I thought that it was interesting that Ashley was the one to buy them on the net and that Jimmy was the one to go in person and (laughs) sort of like gendered the gendered acquisition of condoms. I mean, the episode in general seems to be ultimately like girls are more thoughtful because also she's the one that gets a really nice necklace and he makes the the, like, she spent $50 on that necklace, which is bonkers. We all know that money means nothing to Ashley though. She's willing to throw around Canadian I mean, dollars. And he's got her deb- her little debit card, so... Mm-hmm. And also, like, but for me, I think that it's actually more thoughtful to have something handmade for you. So, I mean, I, I get that, like, there's a monetary discrepancy. I don't know. I thought it was really sweet that Jimmy made something for her. But the episode doesn't show her giving it to him giving it to her, so we don't get yeah. to, like, the weight of the episode felt like it was on her side. But then Ashley's like also like taking shots at Terry while she's buying these condoms. Yeah. And I'm like, Listen. Oh yeah, that was so rude. <laughs> Listen. Terry tried to be a good friend. And I Ashley know. said, I can't believe I'm taking relationship advice from someone who's never been on a date. Like an asshole. It was so mean. God, Ashley's the worst. I wrote down hashtag team Terry. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, I didn't write Terry. that down, but Terry deserves better. She does. Terry should be Paige's friend. No. Well. <laughs> no, that's I, not how that works. I heartily disagree. I feel like Terry and Manny need to start the best friends club and just be like, fuck all you fucking bitches. We're just here being cool. There and are, all y'all can be your fucking narcissistic selves. I mean, there's a limited range of friend options that Terry can have with people whose names we know. <laughs> Should we talk at all about Dr. Sally and Canadian sex ed and it being uh, co-ed? Yeah, I noticed that it was co-ed as well, but all the more for the embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we they just, when they talked about sex ed in my classes, it was just like in health, which was co-ed. Oh. Yeah. In middle school they split us up in my Indiana town by gender. Yeah. In high in elementary school we did co ed or we did split. In middle school we did it in health class too. In mm-hmm. elementary school, I wouldn't know because my dad had signed a waiver to get me out of sex ed. So I did not participate. Me and one other kid named Kyle something were basically like sequestered in another classroom while everybody else learned about sex. That's horrible. Yep. And then and then health class, I think in ninth grade was the next time I actually got something. Got that lesson. But how would how would you learn that having sex gives you herpes, AIDS, chlamydia, and or unplanned pregnancy? Oh no, my parents made sure I knew that. Yeah, Dr. Sally. (laughs) No, no, my parents made sure I knew that. I mean, like they just wanted to they just wanted to control the conversation. So I was fine. I thought the Dr. Sally was kind of was She's great. Yeah, I, um, I was. I was glad they. You know, part of the whole point was that both people need yes. to have protection, not just expecting relying on this one person. Yeah, it was a very sex positive episode, even though in the end they didn't have sex. Yeah, I liked. I thought the scene of them wanting to have sex was very believably awkward. Yep. 
and also very sweet and also not shamey and also yeah it didn't feel like I didn't get the sense that the point of the episode was like don't have sex the point of the episode was like don't have sex if you don't want to mm-hmm. yeah if you Which don't is, feel mature enough because maturity was what they kept emphasizing yeah when Ashley's like grow up grow up grow up yeah and then we see her growing up by saying I'm not ready also, just to Dr. Sally for just one more quick minute, I love the contrast between JT's uh, wishing that he could be in the classroom. And it kind of like builds up because like, because she's going to be explicit and she's going to, you know, like be very graphic or whatever. Uh, with props. <laughs> with props. Um, and then you get this, uh, you know, aged woman. I just thought that the contrast between like what JT thought was going to be a very sexy thing um, was delivered in a very, you know, clinical responsible manner by someone who would have been decidedly like not attractive to JT. Yep. On an unrelated note, does Toby have his own search engine? (laughs) What? Oh, yes. Okay. So this is unrelated to that, but related to the other plot line. So when one of his, attempts to woo Emma via sea turtles. There's like a scene where she like types sea turtles into one search engine and nothing comes up. And then Toby's like, let me try. And then it's literally called something like Toby's something. Well, and he types in that and it brings back hits. Uh, well, she typed in endangered turtles and he typed in the name of the actual turtle. But, but they were in different search engines, and I'm fairly yeah. certain his was called Toby's something. Maybe it was his logon. I mean, also, why would that search not have returned the same result? <laughs> I don't know. Look, Toby <coughs> is a man of the internet. He knows all the tricks that the rest of the puny humans do not know. <laughs> this is true. And they were supposed to set up their own website. So maybe Toby set up his website and then use that website to set up another website by the way though i'm i i just love that the assignment snake is like just build a website (laughs) 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 and now i realize that they are not like really focused on showing him showing them how to use like (laughs) computers but like it is such an absurd (laughs) just just yeah they're like Kids, the internet, they know how it works. In fact, they build websites. And I'm like, do they all in middle school? Just pick an animal and build a website. Okay. <laughs> so Sean's animal oh, is yeah. a spaniel. Bring your spaniel. Cute. Because he had one who was not smart. His parents. <laughs> so we find out that Sean something's wrong with Sean's parents that he can't live with them or he doesn't want to live with them. That's why he lives with Tracker. Mm-hmm. But his dog is back with his parents. And that's what makes Emma fall for Sean. Ultimately. Like that's the final, I don't know. That he loves animals. Yeah. Yes. Can we talk about Emma's three ponytail monstrosity? Oh my God. Why do they make Emma look like such a dork? Like, She's also wearing amazing leggings at one point, too. Oh, I didn't notice. I was so distracted by the hair, I did not notice the leggings. I, I know that we've said before that Spike is a hairdresser, so yeah. why the fuck would she let her daughter go out of the <laughs> house like that? Maybe Emma does not let Spike do her hair. Oh, I'm, sure she, I'm she sure, sure she doesn't. I'm sure she doesn't. 
I could totally see Emma be like, Mom, leave me alone. I like it like this. I'm an independent <laughs> woman. And then put her three ponies in and walk out the door looking <laughs> a mess. Also, though, I, on a semi-related note, speaking of parents, we still, like, have not seen any of Manny's family. But, yeah. like, her father's, like, a looming presence. <laughs> like, in everything that she can do. From, Right, prohibiting her from going to nighttime dances and other people's houses. <laughs> but they can come over and watch a movie about sea turtles. And then right. sit on the front porch so we don't meet anybody. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't have to invest in that set just yet. <laughs> no. We know that Emmy, that Manny's parents are immigrants, though, right? They mentioned that in the pilot? Do they? Or am I jumping yeah. ahead? Did they? No. I don't recall. I feel like they did a thing like, you know, immigrant parents. Maybe that's later. I don't yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember right, that either. Never mind. I'm thinking I'm thinking ahead. Sorry. Um, okay, so who's our favorite? Terry. <laughs> no, I mean Terry I don't know. I guess I have two favorites. I like Terry because Ian Terry is sort of the counterbalance, interestingly, to Spinner in this episode, that they're the, like, confidant for the person that has the good advice about sex. And I just thought that Terry was not shamey, but also was helpful. And, of course, obviously, Ashley didn't listen. She had to apologize to her. And it didn't... I also like that it didn't just resolve. Like, Terry wasn't like, we're fine. She was like, um, okay. And then I liked Spinner. I liked the whole... I liked the boys... The eight grade eight boys who have, as we I discussed, I did not like in this episode. I liked. I'm still not down for their bullying, but I liked their bonding. Yeah, yeah. I think Spinner is for me too, uh, and I know that's two episodes in a row. But he did at one I mean, point say, "You got horseshoes up your butt," <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> meaning I guess that that Jimmy was very lucky that Ashley wants to have sex. Also, I think that I really like the way that, like, the episode did not resort to any kind of slut-shaming, and it also did not sort of attack Jimmy's masculinity for not actually having sex with Ashley. Yeah. I think uh, Jimmy was my favorite. He was very reasonable, and he was cute. He uh, obviously cares about Ashley. He's a good grade-eight boyfriend. I like him. Yeah, he this was a toss-up. It was a toss-up for me between Spinner and Jimmy because he's just so... Jimmy is so sweet in this episode and, like, I don't know. I like the dynamic between him and Ashley. I think that he's a very supportive boyfriend. I was just gonna say, also, though, just, like, young Drake's expressions and everything. It's just so... It's so much. This is the first time we see him flexing as an actor, too. Like, this is the first time we get any Drake actually having meaty lines and a storyline. Baby Aubrey. Mm-hmm. Sonnet, who's your favorite? Um, I think I was going to say Jimmy, but everybody's saying Jimmy. Um, but I said Spinner. I said Terry. Oh, okay. Okay. Because uh, I do like Jimmy a lot. I think, honestly, I think it's Sean. I think Sean is such a sweetheart in this episode in the way that he is trying to help Toby out and is he doesn't bully like Sean could easily be a bully in this episode well in all the episodes because he clearly like is painted as the troubled youth that we're supposed to think about but for some reason he likes Emma and she's really annoying 
<laughs> so um, more power to Sean. I also like Dr. Sally. So she's my secondary favorite because she probably puts up with a lot of shit from middle schoolers all the time. <laughs> For real. Fascinating that they, I kind of liked that they were laughing and she didn't shut them down, which I, at first I was like, why is she stopping them? But I was also like, actually, it makes sense because if you tell them not to laugh, it's just going to be worse. Yeah. And you want them to listen a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, laughter is about discomfort. And then when you like call someone out on it, it just compounds it and it produces mm-hmm. shame. Yeah. Oh, also, I want to give props to Paige for learning all of the lines to Juliet <laughs> in a day. She's like, yeah. I've already memorized my lines. And then I mean, uh, Liberty's Palm Pilot. Oh, yeah. I meant to mention the Palm Pilot. Yeah. <laughs> you got it written down in that Palm Pilot. Of course mm-hmm. she has the Palm Pilot. Uh, Heart, any uh, last words before we... Ooh, I I want to uh, suggest another favorite thing um, for maybe not for each episode, but like for our podcast episode, I suggest that we say our favorite look of the two episodes because it's just so fantastic. The time capsule that is the late nineties. Yes. Okay. Or can we just like make it our? Because I have a favorite thing that. Yes. But but not necessarily outfit. The, the most valuable player by omission uh, in the first episode that we talked about in the parents night or whatever was Microsoft Word spell check because, <laughs> 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 because did they not have this? I mean, yeah. like, why are there so many misspellings in this letter? It should have gotten caught. Yes. That's mine. I think I think my most favorite thing is uh, Liberty's Palm Pilot. <laughs> because, first of all, Liberty has to be the only person that has a Palm Pilot. <laughs> Second of all, I just love that she is like, I wrote it down in my Palm Pilot. Okay. Also, what is, what is Emma's job that she has to read the entire, like, that's not how it works. <laughs> Look. This is a tight ship, Brendan. (laughs) (laughs) And so the way editing works is I have you scheduled for an hour to read the whole paper. (laughs) In my palm pilot. Uh, My favorite thing, and I know I mentioned this before, but it really needs to be mentioned again, is Paige's sparkle crop top. It is not just sparkle. It is sequins, and it looks like they're applique. I mean, Liza Minnelli could not create this look or pull it off the way that Paige does because it's a crop top. She has a fake tattoo, but it, it's not one of those armband like chains or like chokers. It's actually like, it looks like it's stenciled on, but it's black and it's barbed <laughs> wire on her arm, not to mention <laughs> her pants. Like the whole look is amazing. That and Ashley's sexy dress when she's about to have sex with Jenny, which is basically just a tank dress but it's black so we're supposed to know that she's all sexied up now so those are my two favorite things so about the tattoo which also i love was pamela anderson lee's like show barbed wire a thing yet does anybody remember that show see i think it was sporty spice oh okay yeah no that's that's fair yeah it's almost like I'm going to have to find it and put it on our Instagram because it's like 
it's like barbed wire meets tribal tattoo on her arm. It's bizarre and amazing. Barbed wire is 1996. Oh, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's set in 2017. Oh. We missed it. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say we missed it. <laughs> Brendan, what was your favorite? I mean, there were these leggings, and I don't really even—they're like patterned, and I can't even really describe them. I wish I spent more time. I didn't know I was going to be quizzed this deeply. It's <laughs> um, a deep dive. I mean, I think the other thing. Next time, put it in your palm pilot. I, uh, <laughs> well, when Ashley meets him at the door. And she's in that dress, but also they film that so that, like, it's very romantic movie-esque. Like, the door, she's at the door, and they come inside, but it's darkly lit inside, and the door is huge. And it was very, with the Romeo and Juliet music, I was like, what is happening? But I think it works well because they're both so awkward, and they don't fit in that narrative, which I thought was cute. Um, sidebar, this is the last thing I'll say. I'm now, I'm now on the barbed wire Wikipedia. Oh, boy. In the reception, this is important. In the reception section, Roger Eber pointed out the film's plot was identical to that of Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? And derided the lowbrow attempts at sensuality, but praised the cast and crew's approach to the material. This sounds like quite a review. Quote, the filmmakers must have known they were not making a good movie, but they didn't use that as an excuse to be boring and lazy. Barbed Wire has a high energy level and a sense of deranged fun. He gave it two and a half stars. Similarly to Ebert, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly commented on the film's aping of the Casablanca plot. Well, so we're going to have a Barbed Wire watch party then? I think a no, Casablanca no. Barbed Wire watch party. <laughs> a double feature. <laughs> We need uh, the craft watch party because last night oh, yeah. I learned that Jay Brendan Shaw has not watched the craft. I also have not watched the craft. Uh, oh, yes. my God. It's the best movie ever. I well, told it actually is my homework. Deal. As long as y'all are fine with us not having seen it for another month. That's fine. Okay. I'll live. You guys are watching Degrassi. That's re- you're doing the Lord's work. Right now. You are. You are. I keep thinking about I keep thinking about things that are coming up and I just wanna I'm like bouncing out of myself to get to some of the storylines. Oh my god, yes, I know. (laughs) Any last words? Thanks for joining us today on That Bleeding Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, we're that bleeding podcast, or at Twitter at Bleeding Pod, on SoundCloud, that bleeding podcast 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 <laughs> and on facebook and also this is why you don't trust me to do follow us like a review i hate my friends fuck everybody that's on this except for the listeners we love you guys are the worst. <laughs> well, hold on, also, hold the... on, hold on. It sounds like you say podcast. Like... <laughs> I said podcast, but then I said podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spell it out. 
Those are making me cry. And also, the Twitter is that bleeping pod, not just bleeping pod. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell if you were saying at or that. At I that. said that. Oh, okay. I heard. I, I did too. Podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> I oh. can say it again if you want, but I kind of think you should just leave the laughs then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But just to be clear, at that black. Uh, black. <laughs> It's fucking hard. Find us on Twitter at that bleeping pod. The P. Yeah, right now. You meet a boy. He smiles at okay, you. Okay, thanks for listening. Your eyes light up. Your heart does too. You feel so weak. You can't speak your name. You started a amazing game. He takes you home. He holds you tight. You can't resist a kiss. Good night. You may pretend that the moon's to blame, but no. One-